Hey there, guys. We just wanted to say thank you so much for tuning in today and supporting the podcast. And as a way to extend thanks to you, we want to offer you 15% off any product off my website, littlestfitness.com. That spans for my ebook, Endure, my nutrition guide and templates, my training guide, or my at-home PDF program. Whatever you've been eyeing up lately, we just want to say thank you and offer 15% off any single product of your purchase today. So be sure to use the code MESSYMIDDLEPOD, that's M-E-S-S-Y-M-I-D-D-L-E-P-O-D at checkout today as a way to support the podcast and as our way of saying thanks. This is Alyssa Lenick of Littlest Fitness. And I'm Kate, otherwise known as Coach Carmichael. We are PhD students, endurance athletes who lift, outdoors enthusiasts, and entrepreneurs. We believe the narrative of the fitness and wellness industry is often far too extreme. So forget about the black and white messages that you've heard. On this podcast, we believe that life is best lived in the messy middle. Hey everybody, it's Little Liz here, aka Alyssa, and we are welcoming you back to our fourth episode of the Messy Middle Podcast, and we are so pumped to have you here about this. So if you're coming here from my community, Little Liz Fitness on Instagram, and you know, you should have known Kate by now, we've been talking forever, but you may have picked up on some different trends and what we like to do and how we approach health and fitness. I'm definitely coming more from that exercise physiology you know, numbers, science, data, not that Kate isn't, but I'm more of the like, give it to me straight type person, calling out the BS, fitness industry, crappy training approaches. And Kate is the yin to my yang. So she is my more holistic friend, you can say on the approach of how we talk about fitness and health and well-being as a whole. And so Kate is great for this because she calls me out on my own bullshit all the time. So I hate Like, if you guys haven't picked up on this, I absolutely hate the really woo-woo, touchy-feely way that wellness is sold to us. So I feel a lot about, like, how I feel about the fitness industry giving crappy information. The whole message of the wellness industry has really turned me off over the years to the point that I just never thought I engaged in wellness practices because I thought I needed to do these perfectly timed meditation, breathing, upside-down yoga practices and, like, all this specific weird stuff that just didn't sit well with me and becoming friends with Kate and talking to her about her research and her interest and her knowledge on this has actually like really helped me personally a lot as someone who's a little more stoic in their approach to life and how I view health as a whole and making me realize that like a lot of that stuff's just as much bullshit as, you know, booty band workouts. So like those like practices are like the booty band workouts of the fitness industry. So Kate today, is going to walk you through basically what we're calling taking the woo-woo out of wellness and making sure that you understand that when we say woo-woo, we don't mean like knocking spiritual practices or things that you love, but the scientific misinformation of the wellness industry. So think like coffee enema cleanses are the gateway to health. Like you probably don't need to do that, but there's probably some more evidence-based ways that you can achieve a more well-rounded approach to health and fitness together in a way that for me, doesn't make me want to totally vomit every day. So Kate, why don't you, you know, kick us off here now that I've ranted about how I hate all these things and how you've enlightened me, you've brought me over to the, to the dark side. Um, so how, how does the industry just define wellness? And then why do you take issue with this beyond my Alyssa? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we know Alyssa (laughs) takes some issue with it. I'll give you my reasons (laughs) of it too. Um, so the title of this episode is taking the woo woo out of wellness. And I want to first define what you know we mean by woo woo, because a lot of people can take it differently, as you mentioned, um, and why I'm taking issue with that type of marketing for wellness, um, let's say products and services. So 
woo-woo is just outlandishly mythical or supernatural. It can include new age theories such as energy work, crystal magic, um, you know, any kind of supernatural or psychic occurrences. So this is sometimes included in authentic religious traditions such as um, Hinduism or Zen Buddhism, but I'm not here to knock any religious or spiritual beliefs. Uh, what I'm not here for, though, is companies that are targeting women through fear, guilt, false promises, or companies that are exclusionary and only promoting wellness for white women who are heterosexual, cisgender, thin, wealthy, and able-bodied. So I want to tell you what I mean by targeting so that you can identify when the wellness industry or you know people who are promoting wellness products are doing this that you might see on your feeds um, and social media, or you might see, you know, even in traditional news settings or commercials um, so that you don't fall victim to it because we've all been there, myself included. We see something that's a claim that's maybe a little bit too good to be true and we want to believe it. Um, and I think that the wellness industry in particular tends to fall into that because they promote a lot of pseudoscience essentially. So, um, there's, there's a couple ways of targeting. There's the fear-based targeting, guilt-based targeting, and kind of the false promises or like too good to be true things. Um, and so fear-based targeting is what looks like promotion of those expensive pseudoscience products that you didn't know you needed before. And so that often looks like um, they, they may be educating you on the dangers of something that you never knew existed. Uh, this could look like chemicals or toxins that are found in products that you consume, like, or, or that you use, like shampoos or cereals. And then they follow it with a promotion of a solution or a cure. So they tell you that purchasing their product is going to take away this fear that they've just imposed on you two minutes ago, right? So... Or they, or they like offer this like quick fix, something that can be um, solved overnight that shouldn't really, or is a longer process in, in general. So I'm going to interject here because this is a theme that we all know I call out of my page. Um, but keeping that in mind is like, I'm going to like maybe make these little notes of like things to look out for is that people using, like creating a problem to sell you the solution on something you didn't even know you need to be afraid of. You see this a lot in the fitness industry, but the fitness industry and wellness industries, I mean, sometimes they're just one big circle, right? And so you see this a lot. So especially like keep that, if you're taking notes back there and you're like, Ooh, what is this? Like, what do I need to look for? Like a red flag. Number one is someone creating an issue. You didn't even know you needed to be afraid of, or even know you had, but then they have a solution. And then often they're using science, which you may not know enough about to know if it's correct or incorrect to, to like persuade you into trusting them. So a, a misuse of science to engage in like to instill trust, but then creating fear and selling you a solution, right? So red flag, number one, take the note. And if you take anything from this podcast, that's probably like the biggest, like, like pitchfork, you can take it out into the, out into the world. So, all right, Kate, back to you. Yeah, no, perfect. And I also, um, you know, maybe for clarity's sake, the way I see it is that the fitness industry is encompassed in the wellness industry because fitness is one way that you can progress your health, right? So, um, but yeah, when we're looking for, um, pseudoscience, like Alyssa mentioned, um, to break that down a little bit, that is 
set up to look for evidence that supports its claims, but it doesn't rely on the scientific method where, you know, we rigorously challenge ideas. Instead, pseudoscience relies on confirmation bias. So that's like seeking observations that support the claim and ignoring evidence against it. And we see this all the time on social media. Um, So and, and like in real life, we do this to ourselves all the time. Like, for example, um, I think that I'm a clumsy person. I identify as clumsy. And so every time I like drop or spill something, I'm like, yep, that's my clumsiness. But every time that I successfully carry something across the room or like sip a drink without spilling it, I don't acknowledge that as evidence that I'm poised instead of clumsy. I ignore all of those times, even though more often than not, I'm probably successfully carrying things. But the moment I drop something, I'm like, oh, yep, that's me being clumsy. So we have confirmation bias in our life. Um, and on social media, that can look, you know, um, that can actually be really difficult to fight on social media. Because the more you engage with posts with a certain viewpoint, the more likely you are to get recommended posts like that and accounts like that that are promoting the exact same message. And so then you're less and less likely to see evidence that actually opposes the viewpoint. Um, and that's because of how you engage with the internet. So this confirmation bias um, is part of the fear-based promotion because it's like hard to refute it or it's easy to find evidence for it. So let's give an example of an influencer who's warning you about toxins in your shampoo. Okay. And I've seen, I've literally seen this. I've seen this. Don't worry, everyone. Your, your shampoo's making you obese. So apparently, according <laughs> right, yeah. to University. If you missed that last year, you're <laughs> Right. So whatever the promise is or whatever, you know, the, the concern is, they're, they're going to say that, you know, you're getting poisoned from your shampoo, let's say. And they list all these symptoms. They're like fatigue, trouble concentrating, mood swings. And then you begin thinking, oh my gosh, I have all of these symptoms. And then you rush to check your shampoo bottle and notice that the toxic ingredient in quotes that they mentioned is in your shampoo. And so you're now inclined to purchase, you know, their product, their shampoo or whatever, which costs like an arm and a leg to remedy your symptoms. Um, But really the truth is you're probably just not sleeping enough or, you know, there's other explanations for why you might be experienced fatigue and, you know, brain fog and what have you. And what you don't also do is look into the scientific evidence around the ingredient that is supposedly toxic. And maybe it's, you know, completely out of your wheelhouse and you wouldn't even know what you're looking for to begin with. And that's what the seller is counting on. They're counting on you not doing the, the research, so to say, you're not checking in on what science actually has to say, and you're going to fall prey to all of those worries that they've just presented you with that, again, two minutes ago, you had no idea that your shampoo would potentially impact you in any kind of way like that. You know how, I mean, I, I know some people are really into horoscopes, but you know how like the cliche newspaper horoscope is kind of like you could copy and paste like Taurus or Cancer or Scorpio over anything and read it and be like, oh yeah, it's freaking my life right now. So I feel that's like how a lot of those, they're just vague enough and inclusive enough that like almost anyone who reads them, they can can apply to. So, you know, if I think if you asked everyone if they're fatigued or they feel like their metabolism's broken or they feel like they never have any, like there's really generic things that we all think we're broken. And I talk about this all the time about your body not being broken, but when we all feel these same things in our society based off like what we're pressured to feel and think, it's really easy to do like a one size fits all approach to a problem. And everyone's going to be like, oh my God, yes, I'm fatigued. I need this $50 shampoo that's four ounces. Like that's going to solve all my problems we want that. And so it's really easy to bait 
the things that we all kind of inherently are taught to feel about ourselves in general. So, you know, like red flag number two is like, you know, does this, it, could this be caused by something else, not mm-hmm. just this thing, this person does this just seem brought like to my a attention. problem that a lot of people yeah. have? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is fatigue a problem that you see a lot? Yeah. Well, it's probably because nobody's sleeping enough or they're not eating right or they're blah, blah, blah. Like there's a lot of other explanations for fatigue and a lot of people experience it. So it's really easy for companies to target things like that. You're absolutely right. Mm-hmm. So that kind of sums up the fear-based marketing. Um, and I think that that, again, if, if you take nothing else away from the podcast, that's probably the biggest approach that wellness companies use to target you, target your wallet, you know, um, <laughs> by insinuating that you need to, you know, solve a problem you didn't know you had. So that's probably the the biggest issue that I have with wellness industry and the way that they, you know, target people. Um There's also guilt-based targeting, and that kind of comes with the idea of like there's an additional chore that you're, quote-unquote, supposed to do to be healthy, right? So these types of marketing schemes will use words like should or shouldn't. They're going to make you feel bad about yourself and follow up with something that you should purchase or something that you should do um, that the person conveniently offers a service or product for, right? And not all guilt-based marketing is like sleazy. Um, You know, you might see commercials like pushing you to donate, showing you like sad animals or hungry children that could be saved by, you know, your single cup of coffee that you have every day. And, you know, but when it comes to wellness, I I genuinely don't believe that there is a single service or product that you should feel guilty for not purchasing or for not practicing. Like, I don't think that there's anything in the wellness space um, because wellness practices are personal. There's no single prescribed way that suits all people. And so if you're reading a post and you're feeling bad about not doing something or not having a product in the wellness space, then I, you know, I genuinely believe that that's not okay. (laughs) And that's not an okay marketing strategy. Not one thing is a solution to everything. That is, and at, at everyone's just trying to t- say you the one size fits all solution for you and the, the 30,000 other people that see that ad. So <laughs> They like quick fix offers, like the third type of offer yeah. that I see, right? And that's the magical solution to your life, right? Um, they promise like really fast or instant improvements. Um, these can look like trendy magic diets and they're usually restrictive, go figure. Um, or they're, <laughs> right? Or they like <laughs> use particular ingredients or supplements or juices that promote, you know, quick weight loss or overnight strength gains, better skin, etc. Um, and they can look like miracle products like crystals and essential oils. Not that there's anything wrong with these products, just as long as you're aware that they're not an immediate solution to any problem as some people would like to advertise. I think it's important. I don't want to keep interjecting on you, but I get kind of questions a lot with these kind of things. But People think that like when you talk about something and its limitations, that that doesn't mean you can never engage in those practices or it's ever horrible or it's ever bad. So like if you're someone who enjoys essential oils because they smell good or they make you feel better or you, you know, Chris, you're into crystals and you like how that like I don't I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff. But if how they look or, you know, you truly believe they have some magical healing power. I don't know. I, someone's going to be who's really into crystals is going to be like, you don't know what you're talking about. But like, if you believe that and you enjoy it and it's causing absolutely no harm and you engage in these things, it's literally fine. Like I'm going to be dramatic and be like, literally it's fine. It's just like when people talk about, you know, when you like, whenever we talk about certain types of like modes of fitness and you're like, 
it's fine to do whatever you want, but if you have a specific goal, maybe that might not be getting there. there. So if you have, you know, a, if you busted your knee open and you tore your ACL and you rub essential oils on it, it's probably not going to grow back your ACL. But if you like the smell of essential oils in your house, like that's completely harmless. So it really matters on how people are selling it and what they're selling it to you for. And if there's evidence to support the use of that. So none of these things are inherently bad. Some of them are very harmful. Again, some of them are, but like most things are usually pretty like harmless if used in an appropriate context. So if you like them, we're not saying you're dumb, you're bad, just there's limitations to anything, right? Just like, I'm not going to tell you to train for a marathon if your goal is to start a business, right? Like marathon training can be good for you, but it's not going to get you a business, right? Like it's, you can apply it to even really great, useful things. So keep that in mind. We're not attacking you for liking these things. It's just making sure that you're being a wise consumer and user. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think a good question to ask yourself, like I hear all the time, like, is blank good? Like, is meditation good for you? Is, you know, yoga good for you? Is whatever good for you? And the answer I always give is a question and it's, well, for what outcome? Like, what are you looking to get out of that product? Like, if you are looking to get, you know, complete healing and magical care from essential oils or crystals, then I'm going to probably say that's not your best bet. But if you're trying to, I don't know, just maybe improve your mood or like make it, for example, like I recommend the the scent of lavender before bed, like as a routine or ritual that you, you know, keep doing that that way you now associate the smell of lavender with going to sleep. Like in certain circumstances, almost anything that isn't harmful, right, can be used for good. So I think when you ask, is blank good? Think about, well, what is the outcome? What do you want out of it? And really think yourself through, will this bring me that outcome? And that's, you know, how you can decide if something, uh, you know, that you're being marketed for or something that you're interested in purchasing or service you're interested in that, that, that question can help guide you to your answer if, if you should have it or purchase it or not. So takeaway tip number three, after taking notes is, before you deem if anything's good or bad, or even ask if it's good or bad, ask yourself the outcome you're trying to achieve from it. And especially if someone's selling you an outcome and you're like, oh, I need to do this for this outcome. I really encourage you guys. I really truly believe you guys are smarter than you give yourselves credit for. And you can just take a step back and like kind of put your emotions to the side and just critically like put on your critical thinking glasses. Like I believe truly that you guys all have these skills and say, okay, well this actually achieved the result that I'm looking for. And like, just pause and think like if your friend asked you that, how would you kind of assess that? So really say, is X going to achieve Y or is X better in like Z situation? So kind of just taking that step back and asking yourself that. So Building off that, Kate, how do we define wellness then? And then especially in the context of our podcast moving forward, what we want you guys as listeners to understand that when we're talking about wellness specifically, what we're actually meaning. So what your perception of wellness coming into this podcast might change a little bit. And we're hoping that is the truth, but we want to make sure that we clearly define it so you actually know moving forward so we don't have to define it every single episode that we talk about it. So you yes. know where Kate's coming from as the expert and then me as the skeptic. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Okay. So when we talk about wellness, I'm going to give you, um, you know, two definitions that I use. Uh, One of them is from the National Wellness Institute. um, And that's that wellness is an active process of becoming aware and making choices towards a more successful existence. And I often replace a more successful existence um, at the end of that sentence, because that can be defined so many different ways. And people might not know exactly what that means to them. So I say, um, 
wellness is an active process of becoming aware and making choices towards a healthy or fulfilling and fulfilling life. So the active process part of the wellness definition is important because that means that wellness is not something you can buy, receive, or achieve. Like you're not going to get wellness. You're not going to become well suddenly one day. You're not even going to become healthy suddenly one day. Like, um, you know, the definition of health by the World Health Organization is a state of complete physical, mental, social well-being and not merely the absence of disease and infirmary. So I think when you consider wellness, it's not something to be achieved. It's something that you do. Wellness is something that you do. Um, and there are different practices that can be used for everybody, but it requires awareness and reflection on your current habits um, or practices. And you can think, you know, let's say I practice yoga. Okay, so I'm going to say, does that contribute to more health and happiness for me? Yes or no? Answer is yes. It's a good wellness practice for me. You know, Alyssa, I'm going to ask you the same question. Does <laughs> yoga contribute to health and happiness for you? I don't fuck with yoga. <laughs> <laughs> so in her case, no, yoga is not a good no, wellness practice for Alyssa. Crazy. I, I know like you guys see this and you guys ask me this on my page all the time, but like there's a reason I don't engage in this type of things. It's not that I think they're bad, but especially talking to Kate about this and like our almost one year anniversary of friendship was that for me, and you guys see this, I go to the woods and spend hours alone in my head running. Like it seems like super masochistic, but like for me, that's how I can like actually hear myself think and reconnect with my body and feel disconnected from all the stressors of life. And that's, I mean, there's a quote from the book Born to Run. It's like, if you don't run, if you don't have all the solutions to your life problems after four hours, you're not going to, a four hour run, you're not going to get them. And that sounds so cheesy and true, but um, I always felt this immense pressure to be a journaler and a meditator and a breather. And for me, I mean, there's definitely times in my day where I need to force myself to pause a little more and like, you know, rein myself in. But for me, I, I always felt like that's, I always went to running or maybe, you know, fitness or whatever it was in nature. And it wasn't until I became friends with Kate where she was like, no, that's basically your version of meditation. Like that's, and I was like, oh, okay. So I don't need to write down all my words. I can talk in my head for hours in the woods and come out and feel these same feelings that you might get from yoga or whatever X, Y, and Z that you like to do. And that actually like, I, I think people think that like I'm invincible for some reason, but that made me feel a lot better about my approach to like, I was, especially for me, I was going through, Kate kind of came into my life at a time where I was going through a huge phase of having to calm myself out on my own shit of my horrible boundaries with work and over exerting myself and not having any of these practices in my life where, and like, I've always had pretty good sleep and like, there's very certain things that I've done very well, but I was missing that aspect of my life. And I think the biggest thing wasn't even that it wasn't there. I wasn't giving myself permission to let that fill that void. Like I was trying to fill it with these things that you're told you're supposed to do and they didn't, and they didn't work for me. Like I just... It wasn't, I'm not saying that journaling or meditating or yoga or breathing practices are bad or, you know, my, you know, who I am as a person wouldn't benefit from them, but it's really hard for me to engage in those and feel the same thing that I feel from active movement, but also being disconnected with that. So it was giving myself that permission to redefine wellness as that active process for me, rather than what I've been told it needed to be to achieve that holistic health in life. But I do feel so much better this year by giving myself that permission to continually change that definition too, as you know, my season of life dependent on it. So Kate, I can thank for that as my, you know, my personal caller out or friend, but she's great. And like, it's, it's, that's the example that we always give. So anyway, so we talked about this and you can add on to that, but Kate with wellness being so many different 
things, I think it's important. Like the, the note there I was going to say is like wellness is a verb, right? Like it's, you know, just like anything else. But for you, can you give examples beyond just mine of how, you know, it, how, it encompasses so many different areas of health. And we, we, we inherently know this, but we, for some reason, only tie it with like how we eat and our body. Like we, yeah, we only tie it to our, how we eat in our physical bodies. And I want to like make sure when you guys say like when I run as that being my form of like wellness, it doesn't like it's totally separate from like my running for training for sport. Like it has more like that's just like two separate reasons I engage in those practices. So, Kate, can you give us more examples like specifically of how wellness practices can actually be defined in each of these areas and move beyond just um, how we feed and move our bodies? Yeah, exactly. Um, and the process of wellness, too, is going to continue to evolve and progress, you know, so uh, although Alyssa is anti, you know, yoga for herself now, that's not to say that she would never in her life approach yoga, who knows when she's, you know, 70 years old, if that seems good to her body, then or whatever, you don't know. And so I, I think, too, I want to encourage you guys that like, if meditation isn't for you now, yoga isn't for you now, um, that maybe, you know, don't shove those things away forever. Because there might be a time in your life where all of a sudden that seems more approachable, or all of a sudden that does, you know, feel better for you, create more wellness for you when it didn't before. So, I mean, I certainly was not a fan of meditation a few years ago, like even that soon ago, like, yeah, three, four years ago, I didn't, didn't meditate, didn't know what it was about. So um, I want to encourage you that, you know, continue to evolve and evaluate different wellness practices, because your life will change and, you know, you'll change with it. So in terms of wellness domains, like you said, Alyssa, running for you, um, although it contributes to your physical fitness, it also does some more like mental things for you as well. Um, and we can kind of think about wellness in different domains. The National Wellness Institute looks at six different domains, social, occupational, spiritual, physical, intellectual, and emotional. And I think that that's like all too much, honestly. <laughs> like I think there's a better way to simplify it. In my opinion, I like to use like the four pillars model. Um, and this is psychosocial, nutrition, movement, and rest and recovery. So rest and recovery is kind of one you can think of it as restoration as one whole one, if you want to think about it that way. Um, and psychological well-being, that is going to encompass like the most stuff outside of the physical body. And that's going to be, um, when I say psychosocial, I mean the intersection and interaction of social, cultural, and environmental influences that um, work on your mind and your behavior. So that obviously is really broad. But if you think about how your psychology, like how your mindset interacts with your environment, it's all connected. And so I don't think separating them really works out very well. Because, you know, if you think about occupational, um, if you are hating your work and you're not receiving enough money to make ends meet, um, that's going to affect your nutrition. That's going to affect um, your mindset. Like that's going to affect everything. So I think of psychosocial as your kind of all-encompassing environment and mind integration. Um, and that's really important. That's an important area of wellness. Um, and that's the one that maybe we're starting to see a greater emphasis on than we did before. Like you said, we used to just think mostly about the physical body. You know, how can we move it and feed it and rest it enough for it to continue on? But um, the psychosocial part is kind of the modern day psychology that we're running into of like, oh, we realize now that we are stressed more than ever. Like we are needing therapy more than ever. We are in a time right now in a global pandemic um, where things are really scary. And so if we aren't taking time for wellness practices that benefit health in those areas, um, 
then we're really doing ourselves a disservice and we're just going to keep going until we can't go anymore. And it's so much harder to come back from a breakdown than it is for you to just take a few minutes to engage in something every day that is going to help enhance your mindset um, and the way that you interact with your world around you. So I'm going to tangent in here to build yes. off what I said before, because I'm going to call myself out, out on my own shit. So what like I said, and we talked a little bit on my, me and Kate's story before, I think it's either, in the, I don't know which order this is going to go in, but we talked about this in one of the other podcasts. It's in the intro. So you kind of have an idea how we became friends, but um, essentially the first year and a half of my PhD, I had no social life at all. I had zero friends in my department. I had no social support. I was on like deep down inside, I was so lonely, so miserable, and it was so hard. And so when I say running is like my form of meditation, that's when I first started running ultra marathons. And I can tell you guys firsthandly, it did not matter how much I worked out, how much I tried to fill that space with ultra running and weightlifting and running my business and getting my PhD. It did not fill that void. I was miserable. I was not happy. And I was over exerting myself in so many areas. And I actually had like a really big breakdown last summer. Like, I don't think it's something where I'm going to define it as like an anxiety attack or a panic attack, but I just completely fried all of my ends at once. Cause I was trying so much to be everything except for the, what I needed the most. And, you know, I have Regis and I love him dearly, but your, your partner can't be everything for you. And I didn't have, you know, I didn't have those social friendships that I needed as a, and especially as a social person. And so I really want to emphasize that with you guys that like, I can use running as my form of like, quote unquote meditation, but you know, there was a point where that couldn't fill that gap for me of what I was missing in my personal life. And so this past year, I've really reassessed a lot of how I approach life. And Kate calls me out my shit all my time, but I joined a CrossFit box for the community. And like, I have Kate and I have another friend here and I, and I engage in these social relationships. And so like, it's sometimes better for me to even just skip a run to do something social because in that context of my life, that's like, it, it that's going to serve me more and my well being and what I need more than just like physical fitness all the time. And that's something that's really hard for my personality. But I think that's, you know, to interject here, because I just shared that information that it does like, it did not matter how much money I made or how good my grades were or how much I ran or how fit I was like without that, that support, I was absolutely miserable on the inside, like just crush. I didn't, I was not healthy. Like it, I was super fit, but I was not healthy because I was missing that. So I want to just like share that little story to emphasize that to like compliment and to, cause Kate like came in my life at a time where like, she pretty much pulled me out of that hole by calling me out on all this bullshit that I didn't do with myself and my health and my well being, And that's why we're here today. But I wanted to like really, really emphasize that for those of you who are like, well, this just works out. So like, I can just use that as a band aid. No. Fitness is not a band-aid for the shit that goes on in your life beyond it. It's amazing. It's great. It can improve anxiety and depression and like just all overall well-being, but it's not a replacement for human connection and adequate financial support and like love and all those yes. things that we as humans need. Yeah. And that's <laughs> sorry, Kate. <laughs> no, that was a perfect example. And I loved that. Um, and I think it's really helpful when you share, you know, because people do like think that they know you from, you know, social media and they, they see a lot of that. And so some of those other like sides, we maybe don't get to present as much on social media. And that's really important. And a lot of people, um, even when they're not extroverted, like I'm introverted, which is again, we're yin and yang. I love it. Um, <laughs> like I still need really close connections to feel like I'm in a good place too. I mean, me and Alyssa both, I think had that like kind of first year of our PhD being a little rough and tumble and like looking for, like you said, band-aids, like things that wouldn't really fix the problem, but kind of covered it up for a bit, like until it didn't work anymore, you know? And 
<laughs> I think um, it's important to have close social connections, regardless of your you know, introverted, extroverted scale. Um, what I define as introversion is I am able to refill my cup, like recharge when I have some alone time. But that doesn't mean that I only need alone time. Like I need those social times and then I need to recharge and then I need some social time and then I recharge, you know, I feel like Um, a lot of people are that way. Like I spend a ton of time alone and I need that, but that doesn't mean that like, I think that people will just categorize themselves in those buckets where it's probably, Mm -hmm. I would assume more of a spectrum. I would like all things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, however you receive your energy. So like if you receive your energy from being around people and being in social environments, then that makes you more extroverted than introverted. But yeah, it's a spectrum. And just know that regardless of where you are on that bar, you do need some social connection. It's part of our human DNA. You guys are always asking me, Liz, what the heck do you do on your long runs? And Kate has recently converted me to Audible. With Audible, I'm able to combine my two favorite pastimes, running and learning. If that isn't the most Alyssa thing, I don't know what is. I know, right? So Audible has helped carry me many, many miles with audiobooks and podcasts. And the best thing about it is I'm able to download them directly to my phone and listen to them while I'm offline running through the woods in the middle of nowhere with no self-service. And since I have a reading list approximately as high as I am tall, there's no other way I'd be able to consume so much with how busy I am. That's exactly why I love Audible. I've been a member for years now because I honestly cannot read enough books if I have to sit down to read them all. Audible has been a godsend because I can listen to audiobooks while I'm cooking, working out, or walking my pup Rocky, but my favorite way to use Audible is as I'm going to sleep and you guys. I recently found out that Audible has bedtime stories narrated by none other than Nick Jonas and Tony Shalhoub, who you may know as the character Monk. Their voices are like so perfectly sultry and like they really guide you off to sleep. It's incredible. So every month, members get one credit to pick any title, no matter the cost, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digest and guided meditation programs. Dare I say, by no other than the Pete Diddy himself. If that doesn't scream littlest meditation, I don't know what does. The Audible app is available on all smartphones and tablets, and you can download titles to listen offline, anywhere, and anytime. You can start listening today with a 30-day trial. You get one title plus two Audible originals for free when you visit audibletrial.com slash messymiddle. That's audibletrial.com slash M-E-S-S-Y-M-I-D-D-L-E. Some of the, the things I want to point out in the psychosocial wellness domain is that like a lot of these practices are free because I think when we talk about the wellness industry, when we talked about all the products and we thought about expensive and exclusive and whatever, um, that a lot of what I define as wellness, you know, an active process is free. Um, for social practices, a lot of it can be free. Call a loved one for a few minutes, like on your lunch break, you know, put your phone away and spend some quality time with your significant other in the evening, like add a buddy to your workout routine. All of these are free social experiences that can benefit your well-being. Um, And then from the psychological perspective, like meditation is free. You can use an app if you want to pay for it. You can um, do it in a, you know, some yoga classes use meditation. You can go pay money for that, but you can do that for free sitting at home. Um, And I'd love to do a whole, I'd love to do a whole podcast on meditation, Alyssa. We can do it. <laughs> and I we can do it. And maybe I'll like meditate for like a week <laughs> just there you go. for the podcast. There you go. So, so, well, an experiment. Alyssa is literally 70% more calm after just give caving in and trying meditation. For right. Like, stay tuned. <laughs> How amazing. What, what a, what a testament to meditation that would be. 
Could you imagine? Right. Alyssa just, just for some reason, Alyssa shuts up for a week straight. We just would absolutely, <laughs> he'd probably pay you cold hard money if you could give me the shut Oh my up. God, that's great. No, but I okay, think, continue. <laughs> no, but I think a lot of people do have misconceptions about what meditation is and what it means. So I'd love to deep dive on that more, but I don't want to spend too much of today's time on it. But just know that that can be a helpful psychological practice and it doesn't immediately help. Like it, it's kind of like, um, fitness for example there your first time you exercise it's not always super fun like you might like come out like puffy and like red and breathing hard and you're like that was the worst it was so hard like meditation can be like that too and once you get better at it and once you continue practicing in it is when you start to reap the benefits so um you can also so Alyssa was take, talking about taking um, moments of pause on a mind, you know, you can do a mindful walk if you want to. And what I say, what I mean by mindful is just being present to the moment. So you can do mindfulness in any kind of way that you want. You can literally just decide to be attentive to the present in any situation. Like right now, I'm looking into Alyssa's eyes via Zoom and I am super present to her glorious, beautiful face and the words that I am saying right now, right? Hope um, you watch this video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's recorded on Zoom um, for those of you listening. But so I... I think that people can find ways to be attentive to the present and that can be really helpful, especially for people who have anxiety where we think worrying about the future or we are reflecting on past mistakes and beating ourselves up. So a lot of people would benefit by just attending to the present for a few moments here and there. Um, and again, that could be meditation, but that could just be attending to the present and anything that you're doing, taking a walk, um, talking to a friend, you know, not thinking what you were going to say next. Um, Another free psychological practice is affirmations. And we'll talk a little bit about this more because that's part of my routine a little bit. Um, but saying things to yourself that you would maybe not normally say. Um, it's kind of like complimenting yourself <laughs> and telling yourself that, you know, everything is okay. You're doing a good job. You know, you're beautiful. You're smart, whatever. Because a lot of the times we have all this negative self-talk that we let build up on ourselves and we never take the time to appreciate ourselves in the way that our friends and family and loved ones would. And so, you know, it might seem kind of silly for some of you. Or it might seem a little, uh, don't want to do that, you know. But if you think about all the negative stuff that you say to yourself, it's just combating all of that, really. Um, and then keeping a gratitude journal is another one that's a free psychological practice. When you take the time to consider what things in your life are going well and things that you really appreciate and enjoy, uh, it's easier for you to take more notice of those. We, because of our evolution, are predisposed to think about all the negative things in our lives right now. Because when you were a caveman, you know, and you needed to survive, thinking about the good stuff in life did not help you. Identifying threats and dealing with them is how, you know, we kept living. And so, to negate all of that biology that we have that we're hardwired for all of this negativity, essentially, in the modern world where we are safe most of the time, um, you need to be able to start changing your scope or lens, the way that you look at things to include more gratitude. And so you can do that in a journal. You can just do that like driving to work. I'm going to think of three things that I'm grateful for right now. Um, you can say it to your partner every night, th three things I'm grateful you know, for you for right now. Um, and so those are some, again, free psychological practices. Of course, if you do want to spend some money, counseling and therapy, highly recommend. <laughs> um, and 
generally in your psychosocial well-being. We kind of forget other things like that the domains included, like occupational, like your finances. Um, those things can be really important too. So seeking employment and a job that will bring you joy more so than your current position is like a great way to engage in wellness and continually searching for ways to engage yourself in work. Because as we all know, when you have a crappy job, it's so hard to feel fulfilled in any areas of your life because you spend most of your time at work. So having a miserable job, if you can change any aspect about it or change your job, that is going to help increase your health and happiness. And finally, like good finance habits can also be part of your wellness routine. A lot of people don't think about finances when they think about wellness. But if you know, I'm a PhD student. I have very little money. I know. I think we need to do a podcast episode on on finances, finances with yeah. you. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I'm only good at finances now because I can afford to live the life that I want to live. Um, but I did just go set up a business bank account today. So that's a wellness one for me for the day. But I think we should do that one of these days because guys, listen, Katie's the queen of wellness, but she's also the queen of like balling on a grad school budget. And so that's, I'm putting a note right now, future episode, how to live in a camper and your PhD and support two people at once. So. <laughs> yeah. So definitely setting aside like some of your monthly paycheck or making investments, reviewing your budget. Those are wellness practices that a lot of people would not define it. But again, is that not an action set to improve your health and well-being that you do continually? I fill up $300 shopping carts and never buy it because it makes me feel good. And then I just exit out. <laughs> I don't know if that counts as a wellness practice, but it helps me save money, but it makes me feel good. Like I'm I shopping, mean, I'm but not I'm gonna, not. I'm not going to knock it. <laughs> <laughs> and I never buy it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, yeah. So that's, that's how I would define like the psychosocial domain. Do you have anything to add to that area before we move on? No, and I definitely want to add a tangent, though, for one of these things. When we talk about jobs and work, guys, we will definitely dive in. I know a lot of you guys are grad students or considering grad school, and you know that we're in grad school, and I think that deserves a whole nother talk because grad school is something where you're not going to have great mental health the whole way through, even if you have the best advisor and environment. I mean, I'm really lucky. I have an incredible advisor and have a lot of autonomy, which I thrive under, but even, I mean, the whole... Thing with that. So I think with jobs, sometimes, you know, you think like, oh, should my, don't worry if your job is like, doesn't, it shouldn't not cause you any stress ever. Like it's, we're human beings. Our jobs are, no matter what you do, what you love, like I run my own business and I love it dearly. But like, even before this podcast started, I was venting to Kate about like just little things that stress me out that, you know, that, you know, it just comes with the territory of whatever you do. You could have the most passionate, amazing, perfect job for you in the world. And so it doesn't mean that like you're, you need to go and quit your job and abandon it right now. So I just want to add that because like we're both grad students and we both don't always have the best, um, you know, work-life relationships. And that tends to be a major problem in academia, but don't go panicking, quitting your job. You know, is there ways for you to make your situation better for yourself within it? For me, that was finding friends. And now I don't hate my life when I go to work. But for you, it just might be getting more sleep might make you feel better in your job or saving your money might make you feel less stressed about your job and the work because you're just being smart. Like you're controlling the output, not the income kind of thing. So 
these things are easier said than done. And I think that might deserve its whole other, you know, tangent, but keep that in mind. We're not telling you to go to your boss on Monday and be like, you know what? Those two crazy PhD students who have never held a real job in their life said I should quit. Like, like, <laughs> keep that in mind. But that's definitely something I think worth chatting about more in the future and like how healthy, healthy practices we use being in like one of those situations where a job isn't always mental health promoting, um, to, to live within it. So for sure. I think all, all of what we're talking about is like separate podcast worthy, like, because we we did say that we're going to talk about the wellness space as a whole throughout this podcast in various different ways. So we're probably everything that I'm saying, we can do a deep dive topic on. So, um, when we talk about each category, from the get-go, we talked about how wellness is an active process uh, that helps you and your personal health and well-being. So don't take anything that we say as shoulds, right? That was the top of top of the line. None of these are shoulds. All of these wellness activities are, hey, do they make you feel better? Then yes, do them. If no, don't, you know? Um, and yeah, like, like Alyssa said, sometimes it doesn't mean that even if you're struggling in one area of your life, sometimes other places can help fix it, like getting more sleep or whatever. Um, and then sometimes you have to address that particular thing head on. So everything looks a little bit different for everybody. Can't state that enough in our podcast, probably every single episode, right? (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about my favorite topic area. Oh yeah. Movement. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and I labeled this movement because it could be exercise or it could be physical activity. And those are different. I want to define that, um, that exercise is with the goal of improving fitness. So when you have an exercise plan or training plan, you're continuing to progressively increase your load or, you know, um, your distance or whatever that improves your fitness over time. Whereas physical activity doesn't have to have a goal, but you could still improve your fitness by being physically active. You know, it's not mutually exclusive, but physical activity just means movement and exercise means structured, purposeful movement for the goal of producing fitness, um, improving your fitness. So this is one of the big parts of physical health. Nutrition plays the other part, right? Um, So when we talk about movement, this is me and Alyssa's, you know, go-to area as kinesiologists or sports scientists or exercise physiologists, however you want to umbrella us. Um, and it's not, you know, just for wellness in terms of your your physicality, but it can be important because it prevents chronic disease, right? Um, it increases the quality of life as we age. So when we're older, we're able to do more activities of daily living because we have better fitness. Um, but it can also kind of work its way into some of those psychosocial areas by improving your mood or your self-esteem or feelings of energy. So movement doesn't exist only for your physical body, but it can exist for your mental health too. And that's actually one of the areas that I'm in a lot. So I think people tend to get into this rut where we only think of exercise as a, a mode of like, again, only thinking about our bodies, like exercise is only done as a means to manipulating our body. Instead of thinking about how you can, you know, exercise, you can also move without having to formally exercise and not get like a mindful walk is still movement, but that's also like serving another purpose or having an exercise routine doesn't always have to be about like what, like, kind of like what I always preach about, like you're only sold one mode of fitness. And this falls into that domain of like thinking of movement beyond the scope of like, yes, I'm going to go for a run, the specific goal of training my ultra for my ultra marathon. But this morning I went for a walk just because I wanted to just go outside and be outside and like not really think, you know, wake up a little bit before I started working for the day. Like both those things are movement, but one was, you know, 
your body, you know, doesn't technically know the difference, but if you're giving it a specific stimulus for a goal that that can be done in isolation of just, Hey, I'm a human being and this feels good to me and, or it's promoting in those other areas as well. So instead of thinking of fitness as just only a way to manipulate your body. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I love movement too, because it's another one of those categories where I feel like, hey, a lot of the things for wellness are free. Again, this comes back to, you know, the industry trying to sell you expensive things. Wellness does not have to be expensive or exclusive. And I feel like that just, I I need that plastered somewhere on a billboard so that everyone can see it. (laughs) Movement can be free. You can walk your dog. You can do a YouTube video. You can run, hike, swim in a natural body of water. Take stairs at your office. That's a big one. Honestly, the the most, the the easiest way to get in vigorous, which you would call high intensity activity, is to walk the stairs. And you can do that at your job, at your home, anywhere. Just take the stairs. I'm going to do a whole pod on exercise snacks because that's there's a study snacks, that shows that, yes. that exercise snacks improves aerobic fitness if you do like three floors of stairs every hour or something like that, which is literally, I mean, super easy. but um, I think a lot of the time, every time I, I post something about exercise being for everyone and trying to be inclusionary, every once in a while, people are like, the word exercise excludes people, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, literally, like a lot of this stuff, I'm not saying that everyone needs to be able to afford a CrossFit box or a barbell. I mean, my mom called me yesterday and she's like, she's just been walking free. I, I bought her a Fitbit for Mother's Day, which like I paid for. But besides that, like you can, walking is free. You don't have to track it. Like if you don't track it, your body still knows that you're doing it. And she kept telling me how amazing she feels. And just is incredible. And she just, she wants to keep moving and it feels so great. And just like everything that she's been kind of complaining about for the last few years about within her health, just suddenly like she just felt better because she's going outside and she's like, you know, just disconnecting from the stress of her life and moving like all these things indirectly. And so that cost zero dollars for my mom to improve her health. Absolutely. So when we talk about these things, like you don't have to buy my fitness plan, right? Right. Like you have, you don't have to pay for shit to improve your physical health and fitness. If you have X, Y, Z specific goals, you might need to engage in certain things. But you I mean, I think especially with quarantine and isolation and the pandemic, if we learned anything, it's that like you can get fit at home for close to nothing. Um, if you use the right resources or if you just have like the, a positive in, intention as cheesy as that sounds with it. And so you, you can pay $0.00 to improve your health and fitness through via movement. Like as simple, simple as your steps at work. Yep. Clearly our, our, our favorite wellness category. <laughs> Sorry guys. I just really like to rant about these things, but no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not a wellness guru. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm I'm here with you too. I, I think people would probably think that my favorite one is sleep, which we're getting to. But I don't. I I, I still think it's actually. Oh, I don't know. I'm torn. Know, I'm torn. I'm torn. I think I might like sleep more actually than you. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I might be more pro sleep, even oh, though I don't know great. enough about it. But I'm there's one wellness you know practice that I am with the clinic. I am so protective of my sleep schedule. Sleep and coffee, or mm-hmm. how this. My two favorite things in science, I guess. So, oh yeah, let's go ahead and talk okay. about that, and we can circle back to nutrition because we're we're on it. So, I have yeah, I have no. the pillar Chat. of rest recovery. You can think of it as restoration if you wanted to put one big word to it. Um, and I have those two rest and recovery defined for you. Rest is just periods of non-action, and that could be physically or mentally. So that could be taking a break from work. Um, And instead, exchanging it for something more mindless, like spending time with loved ones, taking a long shower, or being physically active, for example. Um, And then also 
on the flip side, giving yourself some kind of physical break. Maybe that's a rest day from exercise, things like that. Um, so that would be rest. Recovery is returning to a normal state and restoring what has been lost. So if you think about, um, here's a, an example a simple example. When you go exercise and it's hot outside, you sweat a lot, you've lost water, right? And for recovery, you want to return to a normal hydrated state. So then you're going to drink water and that's going to restore the water that you've lost. So that's recovery is thinking of like returning to homeostasis, um, back to a full, you know, balanced person, whatever you want to define that as. And this is where sleep is included because sleep is recovery of the mind and body. Um, and I can talk about the benefits of sleep again, a whole nother episode here. So, um, but sleep is going to assist in so many different processes um, for clearing brain toxins, lowering blood pressure, assisting in recovery of muscle damage that occurs from exercise. So, can't talk about sleep enough. And I anything like to add here? Clearing <laughs> toxins in a way that is science based. Right? And it costs your, your zero kidney, dollars. your liver, and sleeping. Zero dollars. Yeah. Zero dollars. I'm serious, guys. Listen, no. we are giving you the budget-friendly wellness, like, yeah. fast lane. You're zipping past all these people who are, you know, joining Spending the lab on Netflix yes. and, and, and doing their coffee enemas and, I don't even know, putting slime up their nose. Who knows what they're doing. And, but those things cost a whole bunch of money. And these things, again, I can't help but applaud us for giving you the float free the zero dollars, you know, like we should, you should be paying us for this. <laughs> no, just kidding. No, you shouldn't. You can. No, just kidding. Like, you can. That's the whole gimmick. You can support our Patreon here in oh this link. No, but seriously, these are things that we generally really, truly want people to be doing and aware of for free. So we're here today yelling into her microphones because you shouldn't have to, you know, pay yeah. a bucket of money to not feel like a shit human. Like that yeah. should be free. Yeah. Like exactly for everyone. So yeah. it is it is free to make yourself feel like a non-shit human. So <laughs> <laughs> all right. Nutrition. Nutrition. Last one. Um so of course this is also part of your physical health, how you feel your body. That means getting enough calories, vitamins, minerals to nourish your body and to sustain activity. Um, it's also important for the prevention of chronic disease, for weight maintenance, if that's important to you, feelings of energy, just to name a few. So um, when we talk about free, I think people get hung up on nutrition, right? Because they're like, oh, no, for wellness, nutrition is whole foods. It's high price tags. It's, you know, these specific fruits and vegetables and juices and cleanses and whatever. I feel like nutrition gets the worst rap in the wellness industry because, I mean, you, you go from like, if it fits your macros, bro, you can literally lick the sidewalk if it's got enough protein in it from like the bodybuilding industry um, to like wellness where it's like, if you don't have 75 grams of greens in every single hour of your day, you spin around twice and then only drink your coffee black and buy this expensive salt mm -hmm. supplement and store your hey, life. I like black coffee, don't knock it. Well. Okay. Well, you know what I mean? Like, cause it, cause it's heaven forbid you have anything, you have cream or sugar. Yeah. Cream or the devil. Yeah. Cancer <laughs> might erupt in your left eyeball immediately upon the ingestion of coffee creamer. So, but like that is a huge, huge issue because it draws major barriers for people because you, you, you don't think that you can achieve health within nutrition unless you, you meet this criteria of checklist, which Kate talked about at the beginning. Sorry, I'm not trying to like steal your thunder here, but like it's for well-off, upper-middle-class, wealthy, basically straight white women who can do wheatgrass shots at their local yoga shop and, like, have, you know, elite childcare for, like, their spinning class they do after yoga after, like, 
you know, they run to the bank and cash out $7,000 so they can go buy themselves like, like their, their, their seven day juice cleanse. Like, I don't even know. This is just like what I'm, this is what you picture when you think about this. There's nothing wrong with these, these things. Like if you have childcare and you go to cycling, that's not my point. But like, it's that, that stereotype of like, well, only those people are well. And that's bullshit. I need to get like a button, like a bullshit alert. For okay. Podcast. We need like a, I think it's called a sting. We, Luke, yeah. hey, Luke, Luke's our editor. He's he's going to hey, create hey, Luke. a... Hey, Luke, can you, can you create a bullshit, bullshit in here? Thing? <laughs> like, we need, like, a bullshit... Bullshit, like a, like a horn. Yes. So, anyway, I'm really passionate about the nutrition thing because I'm more in nutrition than, than Kate, now that she doesn't understand nutrition. Um, but I get really pissed at this all the time because it's like they end up starving you and telling you it's wellness, which is the opposite of wellness. So, Kate, yeah. add on to this. No, to come back in. <laughs> you crushed it. I love it. I'm going to mention um, some cost-effective ways that you can practice good nutrition because I think a lot of people, again, get caught up in the, it has to be expensive to be good nutrition, and that's just not true. Um, first of all, the thing that I always do, because, okay, I'm, I'm a broke PhD student, okay? I have not wiggled my way out of not being broke yet like Alyssa has, so I'm really telling you the, like, the real shit here because this is what I do, okay? Um, I shop by the unit price period. I go to places like Walmart and Aldi and I shop by the unit price and I get the best deals. Like that's kind of it, you know? Um, the unit price is the smaller sticker. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, Google it. Um, that is going to tell you the price per ounce or per pound or per whatever your unit you're buying. And that is going to show you the lowest unit price is the lowest, you know, cost per amount of food that you're getting. So shopping by the unit price can definitely save you a lot of money. Um, canned and frozen fruits and vegetables are a less expensive alternative to fresh produce. And hey, they still have vitamins and minerals and good nutrients in them. So you can shop canned and frozen. That's perfectly acceptable. Highly recommend. Do it all the time. I know Alyssa does because of lazy with lists, at least, right? <laughs> I am and- so lazy about nutrition, but I am well. So all my stuff, I buy frozen fish. I buy frozen vegetables. I buy frozen just about anything I can buy frozen. I do, especially because for a lot of us, especially those of us who are single and young, you don't, you can't, like that giant thing of lettuce, you get, we all joke that it's always wilting in there because you, you cannot eat it quick enough and then you're wasting money, but you can buy frozen everything and last you, it's, it saves you money yeah, in until, the until you want to take it out. it's just as healthy. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, don't be afraid to buy canned and frozen. Um, and then also you can consider instant rice or oats, frozen dinners or meal prepping and whatever, you know, meaning you want to take on that. Like you can make things easier and affordable and still include health, you know? And I, I think that, that that just gets so slaughtered by the wellness industry. Like the, those messages get lost and instead is promoting, you know, whatever kind of bottled juices popular now. So, so takeaway number, I think we're on four or five, is uh, that the barrier of entry to wellness is so much lower than people. They they raise it mm-hmm. up because they want you to pay them to yes. like join this elite club that does not exist. And so when we think about especially like this you guys can look into this like the blue zones in the world where people like live the longest and have the best health. They're just they're like people who just like have good social health and they eat very simple food like they're not like these elite like people who eat specific things they just like eat fruits and vegetables and they have social support and they move a lot like in their day-to-day lives like that's like the the, the, those things are all you know free as we're saying so that barrier of entry isn't like if you guys are watching on zoom i'm like putting my hand up here it's not up here where you have to like 
meet all this because yeah and i think like it, it it leads us to do this thing where kate was saying we acknowledge when we don't do things so like you eat ice cream you're gonna be like oh my god i'm a piece of shit but when you eat a piece of broccoli you're not like oh my god i'm amazing sometimes people would do this sarcastically but it's acknowledging that like you're just doing these things that are well and we only like classify things as being well when we talk about like if did you eat vegetables and fruit which are amazing and you should do but like i said eating enough calories just nourishing your body feeding it and it, that doesn't mean i think a lot of things will classify foods are good or bad but it's just knowing that being convenient and not having stress around that and enjoying what you eat just plays as much of a role into this. And this like barrier of entry, that's like crazy list that like, I don't even come close to touching. And I don't think Kate does either. Most people don't. So, um, your, your, your doorway to wellness is on the floor. It's open. The door's open. It's open. It's, it's open. a barn door. I it's would a love- barn door. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going, you know, on the fly here. I'm going to ask everybody. I'm going to challenge everybody this week. I want you to write down and celebrate any way that you practice wellness this week. Anything that you see that is like, huh, that is an active process that that. benefits my health and well-being and makes me happier or, you know, healthier or whatever. Write it down. I want a big fucking ta-da list. Look at everything I fucking did for myself this week list. Um, and you should, I like that. You should post it. I like that. <laughs> you should post it and, uh, tag us on, on your stories or on your Instagram at the messy middle podcast. Yeah. We'll make a little template and put it on the messy middle Instagram for you guys. And I love that because a big thing, I didn't tangent in this to you. And I don't know if you're like this kid, you're you do a little more mindful and like gratitude less for me. But a big thing for me is like, I let myself celebrate every when when I'm killing it like I'm not kidding you when I feed myself a lunch that is filling and will get me through the afternoon it isn't just like me scrapping together random things across the day I'm like hell fucking yeah Alyssa look at you go (laughs) I don't know if you guys know this but like feeding myself is like my biggest struggle so if Regis doesn't feed me or like I don't have meal prep like I'm just I'm living on rice crispy treats and protein shakes like it's just it's it's a huge struggle for me so for me like when I'm like hey Alyssa you are feeding yourself adequately and well you are absolutely crushing it like you didn't abuse coffee till you almost vomited crushing it like I make sure (laughs) like you didn't do a lot because you were overly stressed because you feel like you weren't able to recover from it. Crushing it. Like those are examples of like, even where there, I did less exercise. Like I was doing something for wellness, but I literally like go through my day with yes. myself like this. And like, it seems really silly because we're so conditioned to not talk positively about ourselves, but yep. write it down. And I love doing this. Like when I do like nutrition things and I have some interest guy where I make people just their wins rather than their losses. Cause it's easy for you yeah. to be like, Oh man, I'm the worst ever. I ate ice cream and I didn't hate myself after. So like, I should really just go to bed and not eat breakfast the next day. Like instead of being like, Hey, I ate freaking, I ate a freaking salad for like on the side of my dinner instead of no vegetables at all. I'm freaking crushing it. Like just yeah. like letting yourself celebrate these things. Cause then it makes it fun for you to continue to engage in these things. Like they're it, it actually like, it's like, you know, making it enjoyable for you to do yeah. rather than just only recognizing when you like are conditioned to hate yourself or doing stupid stuff so i love this okay this is this is an Alyssa thing wait Alyssa, I, I, don't, I, have, I don't write it down i have a name for what you do i call it a ta-da list so instead of oh, writing really? a to-do list or like looking at your to-do list at night and you're like oh these are the things i didn't get done you write yourself a fucking ta-da list that was like ta-da i did all this shit today and like is, you can honestly, do that for your wellness people, wins yeah, yeah i like that you do that I for like everything. That a lot yeah, because that's how I function. That's the only reason I have any sliver of confidence is because every day I sit there and I make myself recognize where I actually did things. Because my to do list is never ending. So if I if I look at it, then I'll go into the cave of doom. 
of yes. self-hate doom. But I like <laughs> I I, lo- I love the Tada thing. Okay, we're gonna make yeah. I'm gonna put a note right now. The Tada list, we want you to tag us in yes. it. Um and if, do this and I'll send one of you one of my shit. I don't know. I'll let you guys know. I'll we'll give you something you free. <laughs> I'll give you something for free if you do it. I'll pick a winner. Whoever has like the, the best doll list. I'll send you yeah. like my nutrition guide that lets you self audit that or endure whatever the there hell you go. want. Um, yeah, you know what? Yeah. You pick pick a product. <laughs> I love I'm like offering up Alyssa's products like they're not even mine I'm like pick a product any product pick a product any product but no seriously I love doing this kind of stuff I do this with the littlest fitness members all the time and I think when you get people to pause and reflect on the positive things that they're doing I think because I remember one time it broke my heart a client they were like how do I know when I'm healthy and I was like oh my god that makes me so sad because it's like there's there's no finish line for it so I love every once in a while when I'll do like challenges or check-ins with my community I love having people list out their wins or things they did right, but things they did well. Cause I think so much of like fitness, social media and wellness, social media, and like what we're conditioned to think and do is like, okay, well, what do I need to improve on? What do I need to remove? What do I need to reduce or fix instead of saying, Hey, what am I actually just like doing? Well, that's the easiest first thing that you can do. Cause then you're like, Oh, I don't need to stress about this. Like, Oh, I'm actually I'm not doing so bad. Like I'm not the, I'm not the biggest piece of shit on earth that I'm told I should be. So, okay. Ta-da list tag us free shit. And so, okay, we're, we're a little, we're a little over an hour here. So we'll wrap things up for you guys. So I'm going to toss this back to Kate. So to review everything that we have covered here, we want you guys to look out for industry wellness marketing that makes you afraid of something you didn't know you had to be afraid of before, makes you guilty for feel guilty for doing something or not doing something or insinuates that there is a quick magical fix to all of your problems and then provides you with a product Um, and what we don't like about that is that it's not necessarily benefiting your wellness and you don't need it and we don't want you to feel like in order to be well or to be healthy that you need a product or a service that somebody is selling to you you just don't period in the story wellness as we've covered is mostly free mostly time efficient. Honestly, a lot of these things can be done in just a few minutes. And really what wellness means to us is that it's an active process of you figuring out ways that improve your life, period, end of story. And it could be anything. Um, And I think, Alyssa, we've covered a couple of the things that we do in our wellness practices. We talked about you and running and how that can be a lot of different things. We talked about our social lives. um, And I've talked a little bit about meditation um, and some other things. So is there anything that we didn't cover in terms of like what you do for wellness that you would like to share with our listeners? Oh man, I've done a lot of self-reflection and work this past year, even though it's a little uncomfortable for me. I'm really bad about that kind of stuff. But I think recognizing that I don't like for me, like drawing boundaries with people and saying yes to things, like saying no to more stuff, not offering myself to do, to sit, not trying to save the world all the time and answering everything and all, and like overexerting myself in every area all the time has been a huge wellness practice for me. And then that, even in my personal relationship is grad school stressful. And so whenever, you know, Regis and me are, if he, he wants to spend time together or take a slower morning and like drink coffee and eat breakfast and talk and hang out, I just won't do my work that morning. I just, I don't like, that's like something I've gotten a lot better at personally with me is drawing boundaries and making sure that like, I just don't 
ignore the needs of like my friends or my family or my significant other when they're, I can tell they're asking for that from me because I'm so distracted by push, push, pushing all the time. And that's contributed a ton to my wellness. So making sure I call my mom, you know, more often talk to my brother. Like if my brother wants to call me and talk for an hour, but I really feel like I need to work. I'll just talk to my brother for an hour because I love my brother and my work can wait, right? So having those moments of pause in my relationships, but then also drawing boundaries so I have energy to do all the things that I need to do have been huge things I think we really look over in like our our total overall well-being. So I don't know about you. I know you do a lot of really things that people might like a little bit more when it comes to like writing down those lists and things like that. More traditional wellness if you want to label it. Yeah. But I think think, uh, what you mentioned is good too because it's it's atypical, right? Like people, when they think of wellness, they don't initially think of like calling your mom more often and and things like that. And I think what's important to note about that too is that all of those, again, are processes that improve your health and well-being in some kind of way and that they really come down to priorities, right? Like what you prioritize in life should be how your actions follow. And so you might have found yourself like in periods um, or maybe you're in that you know, kind of limbo land now where you're like, I, I feel frustrated with what I'm doing because it's not in line with my priorities. And sometimes we get caught up in that or like we feel frustrated and we don't even realize why. And it's when we sit down and we look at where we're spending our time, we're like, oh, I'm spending X number of hours working and I, I don't need to be or want to be engaging with work all of the time, you know, when I could cut back an hour here or there and receive like so much into my cup, like we talk about like filling your personal cup, right? So that you can then pour it out to others or whatever. Um, what fills your cup might be just an hour a week of doing some of these activities, you know, or connecting with loved ones. And so I think if you're struggling of where or what to include in your wellness practices, start by just making a list of priorities. What do you care about in life? What do you want to be part of your, you know, daily routine or weekly routine? What do you want your year to look like? Whatever helps you envision the the types of things that you want to be doing more of and then figure out ways to incorporate them. Um, that's that's all wellness is. It doesn't have to be, you know, I, I can talk about my stuff, but it really doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> like, you know, I, I like to do gratitude lists. I like to do meditation, um, but I will admit that I don't do them all perfectly every single day. And I don't hang myself if I don't <laughs> do them perfectly every single day. In fact, I have a new puppy and I haven't meditated in probably two weeks. Will I never meditate again? Definitely not. Will I meditate again tomorrow? I don't know. I got a puppy. I'm excited about that right now. Like that's my priority right now. And I'm okay. I think people really forget that you're one, you are in charge of your health and your fitness. The only person that can define that for you is you, but seasons of life are going to require different things. And this, we can rant about this another day. You guys know, I I don't love the concept of balance and harmony, but I didn't run after my 50 miler until really this March. I ran a little bit here and there a few times a week, but that doesn't mean I hated running. That doesn't mean I was never going to run again. That just meant in that season of life, it just wasn't serving a purpose for me. And so I didn't do it, but now I'm engaging in it again and I'm, I'm enjoying it. Like I needed that break. And right now that's important to me and it serves in alignment with a goal that I have. But if I I have the power and choice that if I woke up tomorrow and said, this doesn't serve me, I could not do it. And I give myself that permission of knowing that saying this, this aligns with my goals, my priorities do like, does this add or remove from my physical well-being? Yes or no. Okay. Then I'm going to engage or disengage in these things. And I think that's where boundaries as a whole with yourself really come and giving yourself permission, but also, you know, those boundaries of like, 
I'm not going to engage with these things because, or allow people to engage with these things with me because it doesn't serve to that greater overall life, like purpose and goal that I have. So yes. And if I haven't hammered the definition enough, wellness is an active process of becoming aware and making choices towards a more successful existence. So you need to become aware and make choices towards, you don't just do that once, right? Like your life is going to change. So yeah, it's constant. So you need to keep reflecting, keep evaluating, keep evolving, like change your wellness practices. It doesn't have to be the same three things and those are only going to serve you forever and nothing else, you know, would ever help. a song that I can't remember off the top of my head. Life is fluid, baby. You got to keep moving. (laughs) So that would end on that one. So thank you guys so much for listening. Please remember to rate, review, download, and subscribe. We will be doing reviewer of the week on our Instagram at the messy middle podcast, and you could win something free. So signing off, we want you to live well, demand better, and and keep keep it it fluid, fluid, baby. baby. I think that was good. That was it. We're ending the recording. Done. Done.